welcome to season three, episode two of the Be Contagious Leadership Experience. And I am your host, Coach Hernando Planels, but you know, you can always call me H. Today's guest, we have the associate head women's basketball coach slash recruiting coordinator at Abilene Christian University. She is a dear, dear friend of mine, Coach Erica Lambert. Not only is she an amazing mother, wife, coach, recruiter, but her and Brooke Wyckoff have started something called Moms in Coaching, and I think this is three or four years going on strong. Now, Brooke, you may remember, she was the first ever guest on the BCLE, and she currently is the interim head women's basketball coach at Florida State. But her and Erica teamed up and have this amazing support group for moms and coaching to help with the ups and downs that go with this industry and just life in general. So this is what I want you to do. Go ahead, get your favorite glass of soda, maybe juice, maybe pop open some red wine, sit back and enjoy my conversation with Erica Lambert. Guys, before we get started, I want to talk to you about the power of gratitude. It is the missing superpower when it comes to our players, our coaches, our family members, everyone. You know, so I encourage you to head over to HernandoPlanels.com. We've put together a great 30-day gratitude journal called the High Performing Gratitude Journal. It's designed for your athletes, for your coaches, for your people to increase performance each and every day. You are going to unleash the power of gratitude, and you will reach levels in your life that you can't even imagine. So head over to the website, HernandoPlanels.com. Hope you pick it up, and I'll talk to you soon. Welcome back to the BCLE. I still can't believe you guys are spending your time listening to my horrendous voice. But if you're here, it's not because of me. You're here because we have an amazing individual. I always promise you tremendous guests. So today, we are bringing to you Erica Lambert, who's the Associate Women's Basketball Coach at Abilene Christian University. She is in a lot of different movements within women's basketball. She's a mom. She's an everyday badass. How you doing, coach? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No, it's awesome. I appreciate you taking the time today. For the ones who don't know you, when I say ones, very few people who don't know who you are, if you don't mind giving the elevator speech of who you are. Oh, man. Okay. So I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a basketball coach in that order. Um, I have been coaching for 12 years. It kind of flew by. It still doesn't feel like work to me. I love what I do. And um, I think probably the most important thing to me in coaching is just pouring into our student athletes and really connecting with them. So that's kind of my MO um, on our staff and in my career. But uh, I love to do it for um, my family as well. It's a big family business. And so they're really involved with it. And yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I love it. Now let's, I mean, let's break this down. Very first thing you said, you are a wife. Let's talk about that. Obviously being a wife, being a, a, a partner, having kids, having an amazing husband, like how does that work on an everyday basis? Well, it is not easy. <laughs> and I think any coach who uh, has a spouse and you're just deeply involved in this business, you know that you have to have somebody who's all in. And so my husband's name is Paul. He's a pediatric dentist. And we've been married for 12 years. I got married straight out of college. So um, he's been in the coaching thing the whole time. If, people ask him all the time if he was a college athlete. And he jokes that he played women's basketball because he was on the practice squad at James Madison. And they're pretty dang good. So um, 
Yeah, he's just always been a women's basketball fan specifically, which I appreciate, of course. Um, and we've had kind of a, I have a non-traditional resume, I'd say, because of his job and my job and trying to make it all work together. So um, we've made some moves and had to make some really hard decisions together about how to advance him in his career and mine at the same time. So I can get into that a little bit more, but yeah, it's tricky. No, I love it. Big ups to Paul. I love it. That is what what I love, first of all. And I think this is something that doesn't get spoken to a a lot. When we have partners, sometimes they're they're, they're in the background, right? We don't even use their name and we don't even know it, right? I love the fact that you, it's Paul, what he does and everything else. Um, That is just a sense of community, which is extremely important when you are in, in any type of partnership, especially in a marriage. If you don't mind, please dive into a little bit the decision making and and how that really happens, right? Because sometimes when I've spoken to other coaches and they talk about their husband, their wife, their partner, et cetera, sometimes it 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 wears on them. Sometimes they're really excited about it. And and sometimes it's just the process of trying to find a way to make it work. Yeah. So we had work conflicts right off the bat because Like I said, uh, I got married straight out of college. I played at the College of Charleston, and he was a GA for men's basketball at the Citadel, which is like 10 minutes away in Charleston. So that's how we met. I was actually dating dating one of his players, so I used to go to his games. (laughs) Uh, That's neither here nor there. But anyway. um, The podcast. We're going to have to go ahead and figure out how this courtship began because I love it. Good job, Paul. (laughs) Yeah, so – he was trying to get into dental school in Charleston and I was trying to coach, which, you know, when you're a graduate and you're trying to coach and get your foot in the door, you better be ready to move anywhere in the country and take whatever job you can get. So I was applying for jobs all over the place. And then he proposed right after my senior basketball season ended. And so my job search kind of came to a screeching halt because we realized that he was going to be in Charleston, um, at MUSC, which is the the dental school there. Um, And so, I mean, it came down to the 11th hour. Like we went on our honeymoon. We came back from our honeymoon in August and I just didn't have a job, but I still felt strongly about coaching. And my head coach at College of Charleston called me and said, hey, we, we just created this director of ops position and I want you to have it. So that was a huge blessing and that worked out for me. And I did that for three years and he still had two years of school left in Charleston um, when my head coach retired. So, and we all know what retired means, right? So our staff, the chopping block, my husband still had two years of school. Again, I felt like I couldn't move anywhere. So um, an assistant coach position opened up for me at Charleston Southern, which is about 20 minutes away. Um, And so I got to work for Julie Goodenough there, who's my current boss now at Abilene Christian. But just, I feel like God really orchestrated the timing of that because it opened right when I needed it. Um, We had a daughter by that point, one kid. And so we also needed a paycheck because he was a student. (laughs) Um, But it was a promotion for me too, because I got out of a non-coaching role and finally, you know, onto the floor. And so after we finished in Charleston, he wanted to specialize in pediatrics. When you graduate dental school, you can just go out and start practicing if you want to, um, but he wanted to specialize and I'm glad that he did. He's a great pediatric dentist. He's like a big kid himself, but we had to make two moves for that. So we moved to Ohio 
where he was a fellow at Ohio State, and then he did a pediatric residency in Minnesota. So I have these two kind of weird years on my resume where I was a D3 volunteer assistant. I mean, really, I was a stay-at-home mom. We had two daughters by that time. Um, but I just couldn't stay away from basketball. I couldn't imagine not having a team because I just hadn't had that in so long. So I was like on the phone calling around to every small school coach in the area. Like, will you just let me, just let me hang out. Like I I'll do anything. I'll do anything you need me to do. I'll volunteer, whatever. And, um, I was supposed to be able to do that at Ohio Wesleyan and at uh, Bethel university in Minnesota. So, Yeah. Um, I love those experiences. It was kind of humbling for me to step away from a full-time D1 job to uh, a volunteer Division three position, but um, I learned a lot those years, and I had a lot of fun doing it, too, and my husband got his residency done, um, but when he, he had two years in Minnesota, and so I was there for one, and then my boss now called me from Texas and said, hey, I know this is kind of crazy, but would you and your kids move down here um, because I want you to be my associate head coach? So, yeah, um, we had agreed right from the outset that we would never live apart for coaching. I know I have a lot of friends who do it, who make it work. Um, this business is crazy. And, and I think that some people can make the logistics of that work out. Okay. But we decided we would never do it. And then of course we went against that decision because, uh, I ended up coming down to Abilene a year ahead of him. So we spent 13 months apart and he would just try to fly down, uh, once every month. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I can't, you know what, you know, I I've had tough conversations before and, and, and those are, are really tough because then, then you're let, let's paint this picture a little bit. So now you're in Texas with two kids. Yes. Right. They were, they were two and four. Two and four. You're the associate head coach. Husband Paul is making things happen in Ohio. At the, no, Minnesota at the time. Minnesota. Okay. So, I mean, how was, how were those 13 months? Um, they were very expensive <laughs> <laughs> because we were paying for two households. We moved out of our family rental house in Minnesota when the kids and I left and my husband moved into a bachelor pad somewhere in St. Paul that I never saw. I couldn't tell you the address. I don't even know. Like, I don't know where he lived. We never went back and visited him. <laughs> but cool man, husband deal. I, oh, I totally understand that. Totally. Yeah. So it was really sad because he missed, you know, a whole year in the life of our daughters, essentially. But I mean, he also got to like play pickup basketball every night for as long as he wanted and uh, <laughs> go out with his friends or whatever. But um, yeah, he was really supportive. So I remember the day that we we came down to interview in Abilene. And I was really feeling uneasy about the whole thing. I'm crazy about my boss. She's a mentor for me. I have so much respect for her. I wouldn't want to be an assistant for anyone else in the country. Um, so that's kind of why I came. I was like, well, let's just go visit thinking we're not going to do this. This is crazy. Um, but my husband was offered a job, two jobs actually on the spot that day to come work here a year later. So we felt that was kind of the confirmation that we needed. And I was still a little bit uneasy, but Paul was actually the one that said, Hey, you know, I really want to support you in this. You need to do it. So. That's a, listen, I want to marry Paul, Paul, wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So a few amazing things continually happen, which leads me to my, my next point, which I'm now veering off faith. 
right? Uh, in our conversations before, I think faith is a big part of, of you and your family's life. If you don't mind diving into that uh, a little bit um, over the course of your life and your career. Yeah, for sure. So I mentioned I played at the College of Charleston, which is not a Christian school, but I played for a Christian coaching staff. So my head coach and my associate head coach are like, they're like moms to me, my spiritual moms. They just kind of like taught me how to be a grown up, and they made such a huge impact on me. That's really the reason why I wanted to go into coaching um, in the first place. But yeah, so as far as marriage and family and faith, like we try to do everything to glorify God and try to figure out his will in our decision making. So that's a huge part of every move that we've made. Um, but coming to Abilene Christian and working for Julie Good Enough, I knew that that was going to be a big aspect of what we do here. And I don't, I don't really see, although I am a Christian, I don't see myself coaching at a Christian school forever, but I feel like this is kind of preparation for me um, in whatever the next step might be to go and sort of, this has always been a ministry to me. And it's not something that I force on our players or force on any kids, but um, I just want to be really impactful and be a positive role model for them. So I feel like uh, I've had the opportunity to, to really be poured into here at ACU. And I'm kind of getting to a point where I think about the next step and I'll be able to pour out when I get there. Right. I think that's awesome. And, and so I did a, a Zoom Bible study last week um, with the group of like 40 coaches. And, and I'm big on Psalm 91, which basically means like you're protected. I mean, Psalm 91 just basically says, listen, don't worry about a thing. You're cool. You love me. Awesome. Step on snakes, climb a mountain. You're good. So it's yeah. like the ultimate faith thing. And a lot of it is because growing up, my mom is, I always joke around. She's like, one day she's a Catholic. One day she's a born again Christian. She like goes back and forth. <laughs> Whatever it was, it was always like Psalm 91. Always like she would make my sister and I memorize it all the time. So just as I got older, I went away from it and then came back um, to it. But it, it was it, obviously it, it talks about a lot of different things in faith. But one of the questions I received, because I talk so much living in faith, not in fear, was how does how do you hear God? Does God speak to you? Um, so my answer was, listen, we all think that God just sits across from us and is like, hey, H, this is what's going on. You're messing up your life. Come follow me. Right. And that but that's not how it works. So I'd love to get your input on how you hear or you feel God. Yeah. So um, it's interesting you say that because my church is doing a whole sermon series right now on how to hear God speak. And I've just been like glued to it because we all want to know that. Right. Like, how, how do I hear him? How do I know what he wants me to do? Um, and I talk to our players about this sometimes. But when I was a, a student athlete, I went on tour with Athletes in Action one summer in Spain. And I remember a teaching that we were doing about uh, the verse in Psalms that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Mm -hmm. So I feel like when we read that verse, we think like he's going to give us like material things. You know, if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he's going to give us that new car. He's going to give us whatever we want. Um, but for me, I remember that was kind of a pivotal time for me to study that scripture because I realized that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, if we like read the Bible, we gather with other believers, we go to church, we're in prayer, we're talking to him. He's going to give us the desires of our heart as in the things that we want are going to be the things that he wants. Mm -hmm. 
I feel like if we walk closely with him, then the things that my heart desires, I know are from him, if that makes sense. So like when I have big decisions to make, I always want to like stay close to the big guy because I feel like if I have a really strong desire to go, whether it's a new job or whether it's a service opportunity or it's a hard conversation I have to have, if, I, if you feel that tugging about that, that's the Lord speaking to you, you know? And of course he can speak through people and, and through scripture too, but I just feel like that if you delight yourself in the Lord, he's going to make the things you want, the things he wants. Right. Oh, I love it. I tell you, we have just turned this uh, podcast into the hour of power. <laughs> no, I, I, I love all those points because you, you, you know, I spoke about how, you know, when things are going well, sometimes we kind of separate ourselves. We just kind of forget to do the things. Um, and I openly talk about this. Like I have a gratitude notebook and I, and I seem to only write in it when I'm not in a relationship. Right. So the, but I'm then, guilty. yeah. Yeah. And I start dating someone. Then I start like, I stop writing in the gratitude notebook and then everything nose dives. Now it's not because of the non writing in the gratitude book. Let's make that completely. <laughs> it is a part of, right. Of who we are and, 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 and what we do with, with everything. One of the things I also learned is that, you know, we talk about our players and I definitely want to touch upon this on um, being in the moment um, right. Knowing where they are. And I call it really noticing. If you can notice things, what's around you, then you truly are being in the moment. And it's almost like the same thing that God wants us to be, be in, you know, notice my amazingness or the amazingness in your life right now. Right. So you don't have to worry about the, the, the present, oh, I'm sorry, the future or the past with it. And then I came across a stat that says we are only in the present moment, like six, no, 40 to 30, 40, 30 to 40% of the time in our lives. Wow. So imagine what we do on our regular lives, but imagine our players' lives in everything that they do as well too. So this is a great segue, by the way. This is why I'm an amazing host. So when you are working with your players, how do you get them to see their greatness being in the moment? Well, I'm not sure if this is the best answer because it's not exactly being in the moment, but I like to remind them of things they've done in the past. They do, they start to worry when they get looking ahead. You know, we, we're always talking about being where your feet are. So they're not worried about, you know, the, the next hour even, or the next drill or whatever. But I think for me, um, one of my favorite phrases is to be an engineer of belief, which comes from Sue Enquist, the legendary UCLA Paul coach, I love listening to her speak, but um, you just have to engineer belief with your players. I don't know if that's more important now than it used to be, but I feel like I try to be really intentional about reminding my kids of their previous successes. So it's important to celebrate those small successes along the way, um, but they don't need to worry about how far off from a goal they are at that point. We're just talking about the progress we can make today and the progress that you've made since last week or since last year, or even since yesterday, you know? I think that's so true. Like they have to see it in a micro level with it. I, I happen to work with different athletes and every athlete wants to go from point A to point B, right? They, like when you ask them, what kind of player do you want to be? Like, I want to be a really good player, right? So they want point A to point B, but they don't know what's in between. They don't know A1, A2, A3, and then B5, all of these things. So you're giving them a roadmap um, with it. When you are leading and communicating and connecting with your um, women, 
what are some things that you have found that really works to really get to the core of who they are so you could build that strong connection? I think it's important to remember that every kid is different and it takes a lot of extra effort on our part as coaches to kind of reach them in different ways. I have no idea how football coaches operate because there's just so many guys, right? But, uh, you know, for us, we have roster sizes of 12 to 15 and every, every single one of those kids prefers to be coached or communicated to in a different way. Um, our team uses the Enneagram all the time. Every day we talk about the Enneagram. I don't know if you're familiar with that or if that's if everybody knows what that is, but I know what each of my kids' numbers is. I know how they want to be talked to. And some of it has to do with me too, what my personality is. So I think they know that I prefer to speak to them one-on-one. I don't uh, I don't say a lot of words, but I like to make my words count. So they know that if I call them aside in practice and I make a point to correct them on something, it matters because I'm not constantly like jawing at them through the whole practice, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's just, I've had a lot of success with trying to reach, figure out how each kid wants to be talked to. I don't love to... Um, like constantly coach effort, but sometimes I have kids who need to be reminded of that, you know, and then, uh, my kids who feed off a lot of praise, that's not natural for me because I don't really, I don't need a lot of public praise, but I know which kids on my team need that Mm -hmm. and called out in front of their whole team that they did a great job. And then there's another kid, she might be the best player on my team, but she gets so she kind of shrinks when you uh, praise her in front of the whole team. So you have to pull her aside to do that. So I think mm-hmm. it's just about uh, figuring out those individual elements on your team. Yeah. I, I love the effort part. I had Dan Abrahams, who's a uh, soccer mental conditioning coach. And he talks about, and I never really thought of it this way because I thought like, you know, we all say it, I should not coach effort. If I'm, exactly. effort, I'm coaching the wrong thing. But then he said, Hey H, what about this? We all know that our players come to us with different personalities and how they raise and everything else. But that also means what effort means to them. Like they've been allowed a certain effort over the course of their time. So when you say play hard, they're actually cringing a little bit because it's like, I've already heard that. So you're telling me I don't play hard. Like that's offensive as a player. They're going to take offense to it because no one has told them that before. Right. right? Like no one has. So I think it's, I, I, I love that, that you admitted it. First of all, that sometimes you have to do it and, and you yes. have to, which brings again, my next point, you do a great job. Just, just hitting nice singles on the baseball field. Now I just pick them up and now we move on to the next topic. <laughs> Been a coach 12, 13 years, if I'm correct with that, with my math. Yes. How have you changed as a coach over time? I think for me, and this is probably for all coaches who've been in it longer, um, I've had to be the bad guy a lot more and I'm okay with that. You know, I mean, I I told you I started at my alma mater, which is always hard because you're coaching your own teammates at that point. And I think being the bad guy was kind of uncomfortable for me. But now I realize that I think this has a lot to do with me being a parent too, but our kids need discipline and they need boundaries and they need tough love. Um, and it's just, I think for me, the biggest change that I've seen is that I've gotten a lot meaner uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm okay with that because I do it for the kids benefit. I'm, I mean, I'm never going to just 
blast a kid for no reason out of my own frustration or my own anger or whatever, but everything I do is for their benefit. But I think that I've realized, um, I'm not the young fun coach anymore. I'm, you know, they're, if they come in my office, office, they know we're having a, a serious talk about something. So yeah, that's just a, a different role. And I think every coach experiences that once you're in it for a little bit longer. Right. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Unfortunately, I'm always like the fun coach. I think I think I told you another, another phone call. I'm the eternal Disneyland dad. I'm like, Hey, let's, go. let's have a great time. I'm like, Oh, I hate Hernando. Cause he's just... <laughs> the, all right. So you've, you've adjusted, you've changed, um, over, over time when you take on your role, when you have a new recruit coming in or student athletes coming in, let's say they've already committed. Great. They're coming in as, as a, as a freshman. What are some things that maybe you have noticed, maybe you are doing to get those freshmen engaged, right? Because they're excited and afraid. Um, they don't know what's happening. They think they've been working hard. And then all of a sudden they get to college and they're like, Oh shit, I, this is really, really hard. And then yeah. Because of the way recruiting is, right? We have a we we we're get on the phone with them, but it's hard to have real, real conversations or real relationship building. And then when they get on campus, they're like, "Wait, H was really cool on the phone. Why is he yelling at me? Because I'm wearing two different socks. I don't like him anymore." Right? Yeah. So again, I'm rambling. So, what are some things that that you have seen that may work or works for you? I think. I've just learned that you have to extend the recruiting process a little bit longer because I, you know, we all have that issue where there's such a disconnect between the, when the kid's being recruited and when they first set foot on campus, when they're going from being the best player in their program to the bottom of the totem pole again, and the coaches who were just totally doting on them anymore. And that's a reality that every kid needs to face because you're a freshman now or you're a newcomer now and you need to earn your spot. You need to earn respect with your teammates and things like that. But I think I've realized that it's really hard for them to just make that jump on their own. So if you still need to, you know, give them a little extra attention, I feel like in the summers, I try to give our newcomers a little extra attention than the kids who I've known for a long time who it's easy for me to spend time with. I have to be really intentional, whether it's little things like I'm going to walk with you over to this office on campus so you can sign up for your mailbox or what, you know, do a little bit of a, the handholding that goes on in the beginning um, and make sure that we're going out to get smoothies or get something to eat or whatever, just so that they can talk through all the things that are really hard. Um, keep getting older and they stay the same age. So the things that are like monumentally difficult for them, I know are not that hard, but they, need to talk about it. So being a listening ear that first summer is really important. Being a listening ear and, and guiding them a little bit and, and everything. I mean, those, and you're building those connections, right? You're building yes. those, those relationships. It's you, it's Paul. You have three kids, right? Two if kids. you don't mind, two kids, ages. They are, they just had birthdays. They're nine and seven, both nine girls. And seven, both girls, crazy household running a program, obviously this time, you know, we're in COVID-19. What, what, what are some things that you've had to adjust? I know you've spoken about homeschooling oh my gosh. <laughs> um, with it, but, but talk about how, I, I know, I think the everyday routine has changed, but has communication connection changed within that time within your family, but so your players. 
Wow. Yeah. I think we're still trying to figure out what our normal uh, day-to-day looks like, what it's going to be this summer. And, and like all coaches, we get, we're getting new information every week. So I had kind of made up in my mind that we weren't going to have our players at all for the summer. And now it sounds like they're going to come back in July. Our camps were canceled. Now we're able to reschedule our camps here in Texas. We're, I think we're probably the most wide open in the country as far as the coronavirus is concerned. But um, yeah, I mean, my, my kids are used to seeing our players a lot more. And I think that they miss their friends, like every elementary school kid or, or high school kid is missing their friends, but they also miss seeing their big sisters on my team. So that's been a little bit strange. And even uh, my little girls, they need to be, I need to check in with them every once in a while. So like at tuck-ins or whatever, I'll just say, you know, how, how are you doing? And and it's always about missing their friends at this time. Um, but they, uh, like my big girls, my little girls too, have needed to talk about everything that's going on in our country right now with George Floyd. I probably waited a few days too late to address that with my kids because what I realized is that I, I was trying to explain it to them and they were like, oh yeah, mom, uh, I already heard about that from somebody else, you know, from a friend I was on a call with or whatever. They're FaceTiming their friends right now. so. Um, there you're, if you have young kids, you need to talk about everything that's going on. Don't try to shield them from it. Cause they're going to hear it some way. So they need to hear it from their parents. Yeah. And we found that with our, um, our players as well. Uh, we had a zoom call just dedicated solely to talking about everybody's thoughts and, and feelings and fears about what's going on right now, um, with racial injustice and just race relations in our country. Yeah. How important is that to, and you may, you alluded a little bit, but how important is that to always be on the front end of any discussion, especially in, in today's with George Floyd, with uh, the racial injustice that's are going around the country? How important is that? Well, I think it's like I just said, if you don't talk, there's going to be a discussion about it. So if you want to make sure that it's productive discussion, that it's, you know, not hurtful among your team or that your young kids, your kids at home are learning, um, are on the right side of history, I guess, learning about that and caring about people. Um, you have to get out ahead of it. I, I think we have a tendency as parents and also as coaches, because we're in parental roles too, to want to protect our kids or keep them innocent or naive or something. I, I mean, at this point, I think, everyone would agree that we can't hide behind this anymore. You have to talk about it. All right. Speaking of being an amazing mom, you and Brooke Wyckoff started an amazing movement called Moms in Coaching. I think that was like five or six years ago. You get together at the Final Four. Talk about that because I I think it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. So Brooke and I both were kind of working independently at first on supporting moms and coaching. And then we found each other and realized that, Hey, we should join forces here. And the event at the final four is really uh, the big show every year, but we have found that, um, you know, there are so many moms who are maybe the only mom, definitely there's lots that are the only mom on their coaching staff, but some are the only mom in their whole athletic department. Um, I've worked for great bosses uh, in the past, but not every situation is like that. Sometimes it's tricky to be a parent um, on a coaching staff if you're the only one. And so 
there's kind of like connections that need to be made to figure out how to navigate those worlds. And we're really just in the business of connection. And the WBCA has been great about supporting us and making sure that we have meeting space every year at the final four. And those two hours are like two of my favorite hours of the whole year. Um, because I feel like those are my people, you know, I mean, um, in the mom world, moms get together all the time. There's like, you know, when your kids are little, there's the moms of preschoolers meetings at 11 o'clock on Thursday mornings that of course, as a working parent or a coaching mom, you could never go to. Um, and even if you could, uh, I don't know, coaches are just a different breed, you know? So I feel like the moms and coaching group, those are my people and they just get it. Uh, that's awesome. And I, you know, obviously I do, you know, I do always dad, which is basically dads and coaching. We're, we're in the next rooms and you, yes. the, the, the moms in there are always chatting and talking. Meanwhile, the dads don't say anything for like 15 minutes. And I'm like, Oh my God, guys speak. I need to speak in me while you guys are talking small groups, I think crying and laughing. And I'm like, ah, I need to talk. Um, but yeah. it's, it's a, and you have great signage. I mean, I only have an always dad logo because you guys have this amazing moms and coaching color scheme and cursive writing. And I'm like, oh, I'm losing the battle here, but we pressured you into it. That's, I have to say that's all Brooke. She does the signs and the decorations and the cookies and all that good stuff. So I, I book the speakers and, and work on the format for the meeting, but she makes it pretty. <laughs> I'm a one man show. It's horrible, but uh, you, you guys are absolutely awesome. I got one more question for you, coach Lambert. And here it is. This is what the question everybody loves. And by the way, speaking of Brooke Wyckoff, she was the first ever guest on the Be contagious leadership experience. And we're coming full circle with moms and coaching here on this podcast. So here it is. That's, that's awesome. Last question. When it's not an if it's when they make the Erica Lambert full featured film who is playing you? Wow. I know. Dropping dimes here on the BCLE. It's crazy. I know. Okay. Well, I would hope it would be a queen like Natalie Emmanuel. Do you know? She was on Game of Thrones and um, I was watching Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yes. On Hulu. She's British and just like fascinating to me and beautiful. And she's got the hair and everything. So yeah, <laughs> Natalie Emmanuel. Natalie, who of course you may or may not know is a frequent listener to the Beacon Dated Leadership Experience. We're going to get you a script, Natalie, for the Erica Lambert film with everything. Perfect. Thank you. Erica, where, I mean, there's going to be a bunch of people going to reach out to you, um, not because of the podcast, but because of your word, your wisdom and everything that, that you said, how can they reach out to you? Well, I am at Coach E. Lambert on Twitter and Instagram, and then erica.lambert at acu.edu. That's awesome. And I'll make sure I'll put that at the bottom of the description of uh, the podcast. I can't thank you enough for, for jumping on. Um, just want to let you know, uh, Paul, if you're listening, my <laughs> offer still stands for us to get married. Um, but no, honestly, thanks so much for coming on. You know, I've, it's, it's been a pleasure getting to know you, your mission, um, your family and everything else. And I can't thank you enough for coming on the BCLE. Thank you, H. Talking to you always brightens my day. I appreciate it. Finally, one person admits it. Perfect. All right. Thanks, you. I'll talk to you later. Thanks. How about Erica Lambert with the Nuggets today talking about being a mom? 
talking about uh, the racial injustices that have been going on around in this country and talking about what it truly means to be a coach, a mom, a recruiter, and really dive deep into the industry. You've got to reach out to Erica. She is an amazing, amazing human being. I want to thank you guys for joining us. Uh, You have been very patient for the last three seasons of the Be Contagious Leadership Experience. We would put out a bunch in a row, and then we'd we'd disappear for a while, and then put out another bunch in, in a row, and now we've got another, another big block of season three coming at you each and every day. Do me a favor, and I really appreciate everyone who listens but if you can head over to itunes and and rate us uh whether you love us five stars one stars you hate it whatever else it is let us know how we're doing and how we can go ahead and improve and give to you because you are the reason why we do this i want to thank you guys so much for joining us today don't forget go ahead and visit hernandoplanos.com pick up your copy of high performing gratitude until next time be contagious